0: Welcome to the Primary Learning Trust Podcast, TPLT Talks. Okay, hi everyone. Uh, Here we are again, another edition of the Priory Learning Trust Podcast, Um, episode number five, I believe, today. Um, Time's flying along. Uh, Today, we are in the wonderful Pollock Primary School. Um, and here to join us, we've got Emma and Lisa. Also, we're gonna. Um, Lisa's gonna take take part in hosting a little bit today. We're in the primary phase, and I'm I'm more than happy to put my hands up and say it's not my area of expertise. Um, so Lisa's come along to uh, hold my hand as it were today.
1: Brilliant! Good to be back. Excellent. Number five. How exciting.
0: Yeah. So Emma, look, I think it'd be really good to start with a bit of an introduction to you like we normally do with the podcasts. Who are you? Um, where have you come from? How are you here? How did you end up with us?
2: Oh, hello, first of all. Um, so I am now Principal here at Paulette Primary School Academy. Um, having been with the Trust since 2016. Was it St Anne's before that? Or another one of our Uh, trust schools so I've been here uh, two years now this is into my third year and I absolutely love this little school Um, we've had a a very steep mountain to climb as it were and we are continuing to climb it but I'm very proud of the work we've done so far and uh, where we're heading.
0: So for colleagues who don't know much about Paula um, and you're kind of on the edge of the trust geographically aren't you so maybe a lot of colleagues haven't actually visited. Tell us a bit about the school.
2: We are delightful. Okay, we're <laughs> a, a small, albeit small, but perfectly formed uh, primary school. Um, on In between Slapbank, in the middle between Highbridge and Burnham and Bridgewater. Um, so quite a few of our children go on to Cassa, but not exclusively. Um, we're a very rural setting, looking out over the estuary of the... Oh, I can't remember the ring. The River Parrot? Yep, that's the one. Um... Yeah, big grounds at the back that we absolutely make the most of. Three classes, all mixed age. Um, a fantastic crew of staff who are as passionate about teaching as, as I am, and, and looking after the kids. Um, and uh, just a great environment to be in.
0: So sixty something children,
2: sixty six on roll currently.
0: Brilliant. And uh, and honestly, guys, you know, we sat you looking out the window now, and it is a stunning setting and a and a huge transformation
1: of the school actually over the last couple of years since you took it on, isn't it, Lisa? Yeah, and I think that's important. Um, When the uh, school first joined the Trust, we were down to close to 50 children. You know, it wasn't going overly well. Um, Some superb staff here, which different principals have come in and taken the lead and grown those staff. Um, But the sort of longevity of Emma and her passion, I guess, is shining through. Um, As we sit here and as we walk around, it's just amazing.
0: Brilliant. So we're we're here today particularly, not just to meet Emma and see the school, but but also to hear about the... well, incredible work, I think, that Emma's taken on in, in, in terms of championing outdoor learning. Fabulous, as, as Emma said, rural space, um, lovely spaces outside that have been created. But I'm just interested to know a little bit more about w- why have you put this much energy into outdoor learning?
2: Emma, um, Quite simply, it, it works. Uh, that's why I do it um that's why I brought it to school had a bit of experience at my time when I was at St Anne's bit of a a, a testing period if you like with the the class that I had there and we introduced an element of outdoor learning not only that I led but the LSA I worked with led and we realized we'd kind of hit on something in terms of making the learning stick that's not to say that time in the classroom isn't any good either it's just a different way of delivering the curriculum And I think that's really important. We're not replacing it. We are enhancing it in that sense. Um, So what we've done now and actually during lockdown, lockdown time gave us an opportunity to really think and really um, decide where we wanted to head with this. But because we are mixed age groups, all of the classes, we wanted an opportunity for, for each year group to have time to focus on specific objectives for their particular year group. So we thought we'd combine that with outdoor learning. So every class, we've timetabled it in every class at least an hour a week um, dedicated to outdoor learning for their particular year group. Um, And it's working in the sense that the children are remembering it more. Um, They're having an experience that makes it an enjoyable, engaging one for them. They go home and actually tell their parents what they've been doing at school, which is quite novel because, you know, often they say there's no one there and they didn't do anything, um, which is quite common for children. But actually, they're going home and saying to their parents, we did this today and we're outside learning this. And then they're bringing it back into the classroom. And the reason why we know it's working is because then we can see it in what they're doing in their books. And I think that's really important. It's not just going outside for the sake of going outside. It's actually enhancing their learning, making it stick.
1: Can you unpick that tool, Em, because it's a bit more than doing what you would have done in the classroom outside, isn't it? Can you No, absolutely. That?
2: It's very much planned for. Um, and as a team, we had some CPD from a fantastic charity, Learning Through Landscapes, last November. We had a, a, a literally a twilight uh, session because we were outside in the dark with head torches. Um, learning how to deliver objectives from the National Curriculum, from the EYFS framework, but how to do it outside. It's not just a case of, right, pick up your books, we're gonna go outside. It's planned for, it's part of the timetable. We've got equipment ready. Um, We've got an area in the school where we have purchased a set of waterproof trousers that each group can go out and they've got enough waterproof trousers to wear. Every child brings in a pair of wellies. Um, So there's no excuse to not go outside and learn. But on the same token, it's, it's moved on. It's so much more than just, oh, it's a nice day. Should we do this outside? It's different. It's 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 thought about. It's planned for.
0: So what are you actually doing? Are, you know, are you doing... What subjects are you doing outside? What, what activities all are you the, doing? We're
2: all subjects. So right. the, the timetable in terms of how we've structured it, are pre- are predominantly in the mornings, because obviously we have additional outside learning, including PE and things like that in the afternoons. But usually it falls to either English or math, but it could be anything and it's not just you know that's the only time they go outside if it's an appropriate activity that would be best enhanced outside we go outside for example we did a session with our year five maths um, back in term six and they were learning how you can estimate the height of a tree by walking away from it, bending over backwards, loving it because they're sticking their bottoms up in the air. But actually, you can work out and give a good estimate of the height of a tree.
1: And you said it's making a difference. It's making learning stick. How do you actually know that? How Just impact. We talk impact all the time. How do you actually know that it's making a difference? There's a
2: se- I, I think there's several different ways. And by, by no means, if we crack this, we're learning all the time. But I think we need to give it time to feed through to, in terms of assessments, Um, but also that day-to-day feedback from the children, feedback from the parents, feedback from the staff. I think that's really important as well. They are really enjoying helping deliver the curriculum that way as well. It makes a big difference. If they're engaged in it in a different way, the children will pick up on that passion as well. But just that they are able to tell us things that they are learning. And it's getting to the point, and I'd like to get it to the point where actually the children are helping decide how we do our learning outside as well. That would be that would be a great kind of place to go with it.
1: And I know sort of early days, you when you were launching it, you bought all the teachers a book, a present. Can you sort of unpick what you did, <laughs> what you did with that? Yeah,
2: I don't know whether that went down too well at the time. However, hindsight, I bought every teacher a copy of the national curriculum and just said, use this, go back to it. How can you deliver this outdoors? And they, you know, had, I gave them permission, if you like, it was their copy, write on it, scribble on it, come up with ideas. And yeah, it, it went down a little bit like a lead balloon initially. However, feedback since is, that's the best thing I've ever been given. And I use it all the time. So
1: Okay, so you, you've set this up. What have you had to buy? What have you had to set up? In this, You know, it's an amazing space here. How have you made that work? And how could other people make it work in their environments?
2: Okay, well, we are, uh, you know, hands up. I know we're very lucky with the space that we have got here. But I think it's the sort of thing that when thought about and considered, it could, it could be done anywhere. So in terms of what we've put together in terms of resources, um, like I said before, waterproof trousers, clipboards, waterproof clipboards, Top all in. That's about it in terms of equipment initially. That's all you need. Um, in terms of our spaces that we've got here, we have got space near our relevant classrooms, but we've also invested in, in building what we call our learning lodge, which we have used for a base to this for the start of every outdoor learning session. Now, this constitutes a, a lovely facility that we've got on our grounds. Um, it's not heated or anything it's it's effectively a a kind of post shed if you like Um, but it's a a, it's a start and all our equipment is out there ready because we've planned for the lesson we know what we're doing um, because I think that is hugely important to make this work is being organized with it knowing what you're doing you're not you're not kind of wasting time and the children also then get used to it's not so much of a novelty anymore Um, and I think anyone else wanting to do it You've got to bear in mind that initially it will be a novelty for the children, but actually that, that does soon wear off and they realise why they're out there. And because it's planned for, structured and, and organised, um, and you've got all your equipment, you're you're ready to go.
1: I love the concept of a posh shed. I'm sure the architect who designed it, it would like it described as that. It is
0: a very
2: posh shed. It, it really it is. is. Yeah. Poshest. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. I think it, yeah, I think it. So outdoor learning, it's a real sort of unique selling point of the school. Um, I know parents love it. What's your other, any other unique selling points of Pollock? where do I start? Okay, the other thing that I'm really
2: passionate about, there's lots of things, but another thing is um, oracy skills. Now, I've been able to pull in together, not only outdoor learning, but my drive to help teach the children of Pollock and staff, actually, how important it is to teach ourselves how to listen and talk. Um, For example, uh, You know, children learning how to disagree with each other and not falling out and how to do that, how to give an opinion, how to um, share a thought, how to interact with each other, to explicitly teach children how to do that, I think is an absolute life skill. If they can confidently, articulately talk and listen to each other, I think that is a a fantastic thing that they can step onto secondary school with.
0: The listening gets forgotten quite often, doesn't it? Um, oh, it's um,
2: actually, it is, it's definitely of equal importance, if not more. Two ears and one mouth for a reason. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so you can combine the outdoor learning and the Oracy together quite a lot of the time, I guess.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Because, uh, you know, yes, we they still write and, and <coughs> do maths outside written down, but also it gives a fantastic opportunity to demonstrate how important it is to use your voice if you have got to speak a little bit clearer or a little bit and project it to another end of the field or something like that or just someone with the elements whooshing around your head you've got to be mindful of how you then use your voice
1: and with that spark speeches
2: yeah now spark speeches is something that again i i had a bit of a practice with a couple of years ago um just a little bit of an explanation of what Spark speeches are. It's it's two minutes. A child has the maximum of two minutes. Obviously, the younger one's two minutes is quite a long time. To talk about something they are passionate about. Now, they can prepare for it. They can have a presentation if they want. But it really that isn't the idea. They absolutely can stand up in front of their class. Or I've done it before, just in front of a few of us, because it's, it's about building confidence as well. And just talk about something they're really, really passionate about. I remember once having the most amazing um presentation by a lad who just talked about his chickens and he was so passionate about it and he it 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 just made him shine because actually he wasn't so confident talking about other things but to to get him on something he loved was just superb. So that's what we try and encourage here.
0: It's such a life skill though, isn't it? You know, I, I, I remember there's very few walks of life now where, where you you don't have to have that public that ability to talk um I'll present I think you know I remember my first experience of actually having to stand up in front of a large group of people and talk about me was at university and I was completely ill prepared so to hear you now saying you're doing that with your with some of the youngest children in our in our trust um is fabulous Emma. yeah really I mean so
2: one thing that I think is really important for our learning review meetings we encourage children to come back in to talk about their learning and that's it, you know it's all well and good teaching them the skills but we've got to provide them opportunities to practice them and use them and it's way more than just presenting as well it's that exploratory talk with each other is is so beneficial for their learning
1: and it's more than show and tell it's more than the sort of oh my, traditional yes, show and tell
2: no it's it's thought about so they you know they can sign up for it and they they can talk and it isn't necessarily other children that are asking them questions it's literally them talking about something you've
0: got you've got the floor Absolutely. over to you. yeah yeah
1: and what difference has that made to those children you know what have you, what have you seen in some of those possibly sometimes the noisier children and also the quieter ones
2: it's interesting because i've it's weird you almost physically see them grow in confidence they because that's their area of expertise they are the expert there and then and almost they become the teacher there and then in front of their peers and it it makes other people see them differently and they and they see that um it it just gives them that experience of i i've done it and i i can do it therefore i i can do it again and i have got a voice and i and the others have to learn to listen i think that's really important another thing we do with obviously one of the best little exercises we do is what's called a uh well we have three in a group um one there's, has to give an opinion about something, the other have to, has to give an opinion about something and the third then has to summarise it. Silent summarises is fantastic because everybody, you have to listen and you have to summarise what someone else is saying and it's a brilliant activity.
1: And I've been in some training with you when you've been in a pair and one of you has to say a statement and the other has to absolutely disagree with it, even if, if you do agree really. Yeah,
2: if I ruled the world, that one. If I ruled the world. And that, again, it's a, it's a fantastic opportunity for... Yeah, you can be funny with it, but you can also tailor it to what you want them to be learning about as well. It's not a a bolt on. It's part of the curriculum and part of the objective you're trying to achieve.
1: And what I've noticed in your in your playground, in in your outside, children are less saying they're bullying me. No, they're not. They're disagreeing with you. That's very different to picking on you or any of this. They're just disagreeing with your opinion. And that's absolutely fine. In a kind way.
2: Yeah. And again, we, get, we literally go back to giving them sentence stems to be able to, say, I hear what you're saying, but or things like that. So they know how to start it and be really, really explicit. And that's feeding through then with regards to their writing, which is always a bonus.
1: Maybe you could go to the Houses of Parliament and train or some. Teach them a thing or two. Uh, just a little bit. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I think it's really fascinating to listen to you two guys talk about this because I think um, from a secondary perspective, we get quite bogged down in teaching our subjects and our subject content. Obviously, you know, that is the nature of secondary school. We've got a lot of content to get through for GCC. But I think sometimes we forget that we are just educating young people full stop. Mm. Um, and it's good to hear kind of the, the work that you're putting in. And actually, it makes me think, is there more work we need to do at secondary school to continue to develop this? Um, once they come through. Have you got any thoughts on it? I would
2: totally agree. I would totally, I couldn't, yeah, yes, yes.
0: (laughs) Well, because, you know, they they naturally mature and they grow older. And and if we don't continually practice these skills, they will fall away, won't they?
2: And also the big thing about building vocabulary, give them the opportunities to use it that isn't just in written work. it's in in oral work as well it's really important and we're we're building adults for the future if they you know i I asked my class the other day what job like you said what job you do not have to use any oracy skills they couldn't come up with any and if you can maintain those skills and develop those skills in terms of them and moving on through life it's it's I would say one of the most important things.
1: I think also if we can keep our children talking and keep them listening, maybe we can get over the embarrassment stage of a sort of teenager who's feeling a bit self-conscious. And I like your concept of, it might be talking in front of two or three other people to build up the ability to talk in front of more and more people because it is a skill. And it's also a skill we need to keep practicing and be teaching the audience that's listening how to listen, how to respond appropriately.
2: Yeah. And it's more than just a court. It is taught, not court. I think that's, that for me, that's important. That it's explicitly taught.
0: It is crazy because I, I remember reflecting during the lockdown when we were doing the online learning. Um, you know, you guys would, would do your, your weekly catch ups with your students and they'd be desperate to tell you what they've been up to and what they've been doing. And then secondary teachers would log on with a group of children and they'd see 30 blank screens where they didn't want to show their face and it would be really difficult to draw any conversation out of them asking questions and getting absolute silence you know and and you know i asked myself the question have they changed or have the way we've delivered and the relationships we've built with them changed as they've come into secondary i don't know the answer I, I can guess
1: i think it's both i mean i know we spoke to our school's direct students the other day you know advice that we would give for teachers of the future and we talked about making sure our students speak, and also the power of silence, that actually stopping and nobody speaking um, and letting them get on with their learning rather than thinking, I know everything is the teacher and my job is to impart all my knowledge to you. It's about, actually, there's a lot of knowledge in that room, there's a lot of experts in that room get them to share their knowledge, encourage them, give them the words and the phrases to be able to do it as well. That, the sentence stems that we use in primary school are really helpful. Teach them to politely, kindly disagree, but give them the words to be able to do it.
0: We talked a little bit there about how, you know, maybe we need to continue some of the, some of the work that you're doing in primary school at secondary, and I'm not saying we don't, but I think maybe we don't give it quite as much thought um, in the secondary phases as, as, as you do here in the primaries. Um, back to outdoor learning though is that something you think could translate into a secondary school because again we've got all these but we've got wonderful space but it's underutilised perhaps a secondary I think uh,
2: yeah I think it is underutilised and there's no reason at all why it couldn't be used in a secondary setting and there's lots of CPD force targeted at secondary Um, I think if you've got if people understand it who are delivering it and really understand what the benefits could be, there's no reason at all why it couldn't be transferred into secondary. Because I, I think it's almost, it's not letting control, it's not teachers let, let, letting go of control, but it is about empowering the young adults that you are then teaching. Um, and why not outside?
0: Yeah, you know, I, I think to myself, when I see the science team come outside once or twice a year to do some ex Outdoor experiments, the geography team might come out and do some work, the artist might come out and do some sketching. Um, I can't remember the last time I probably saw a maths teacher or an English teacher bring it outside. So it was really interesting to me when you said about those two subjects are actually amongst the most common uh, to come outdoors. I think that is really interesting. This is... This is about creating a completely different environment and reminding children they can learn anywhere, isn't it?
2: I think so. I think anywhere can be a classroom in that sense. Um, I think, again, I think it just comes back down to thinking about it, looking back at the objectives. What do you want them to know? How is best to deliver it? And, and don't only think it could be in the classroom.
1: I think we default sometimes, don't we, to the space we know best and we feel safe in our own classrooms. So that's where we go to. And we're scared, pot- potentially, and I've been there, of slightly losing control if we if we let them outside mm. the four walls. And I think that's where we go back to having to plan for it. Yes. There has to be a specific intention. We're not just going to take the reading, but we're reading outside and read it there. Uh, so there, there has that.
0: to be a strong set of ground rules as yeah. well, I guess. Yeah. yeah,
2: and that's one of the things we sort of set with children as well, that's part of it. There are ground rules. Anybody who do, takes part in forest school's activities, there are ground rules that they adhere to. Um, and, you know, we write them with them. So they're very much yeah. aware of... Ownership. They, yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I just think it's it, you have got fantastic spaces. Um, it hasn't got to be big or small, but just to... I think you'd be surprised of who then shines outside in terms of the children's needs. As well, it's a different environment for children. They revel in it, and I don't think it matters how old they are to enjoy being outside. I mean, a lot of the time, it hasn't got to be all singing, dancing. You're you're taking them off, you know, gorge walking or something. It's not that type of thing at all. It's keeping it quite straightforward, keeping it quite simple. Again, it's going back to those objectives and how best to deliver it.
1: I think there's a mental health part of this as well isn't it you know we've all noticed how being outside during lockdown and things has helped us feel better so if we can incorporate some of that outdoor learning in the fresh air rather than sitting in your classroom with the windows open being really cold could you actually chuck your coats on and go outside and be learning it's
2: invigorating it's it's inspiring um for the people who are delivering it as well, I think it helps with staff well-being as well. I've noticed here that people have kind of picked this up and, and run with it and they're doing stuff at home and bringing it in, can I do that? And, our, and it's, it's infectious.
0: Did you have any challenge from colleagues? Because I, I, you know, I'm sat here thinking to myself, oh, I haven't got my laptop, I haven't got my PowerPoint, I haven't got my projector, I haven't got my whiteboard. You know, I can imagine people feeling slightly uncomfortable at first. Did you have any pushback?
2: Um, not so much pushback. Um... But I think that was important to make sure they had training in it and continue okay. to have training in it and continue to have guidance of how to plan for it. I think that's really important. I don't want to let them loose, off you go, here's your wellies, off. you know, it, it's more than that. But I think just having that dialogue and having that communication with your staff, I think once they are comfortable with it, they, it it's a real treat.
1: And just have a go. Just be brave. Try it. If it doesn't work, try it differently. I think it comes down to expectations
2: of what do you then want to get out of it. And if you if you can achieve that because you've thought about it and and it's working for the children, then... Yeah. And so I this guess is m- like... Sorry, Nathan.
0: Sorry, sorry. This is not about going outside for the sake of going outside. This is going outside because you can deliver the lesson in a different way and potentially a more effective way. And a It more really memorable. is planning, isn't
2: mm-hmm. it? Yeah, absolutely comes down to the planning. Totally. And some lessons... You can't do outside. It's as simple as that. They've got yeah. to be inside for whatever reason, and so be it. But some will lend itself more to being outside. Helping to make it stick. Yeah, absolutely.
1: And making a conscious decision about where will the students, the children in my class learn best? Where will they learn this objective best?
0: You've talked a lot about outdoor. What do what your spaces that you've created here um, look like?
2: We have got oodles of space and we are very lucky with that in terms of grassy green space but we've also got a lot of 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 tree coverage as well which we maximize not only in a sort of forest school area which is quite almost a sort of secret secret den type area which is is lovely for the children to go off into and explore um but we've also got open spaces in our field with with shady areas um in terms of outside the front of our school we've maximized Um, some outdoor area that we've got there. So one particular class kind of uses that as their outdoor area for not just their outdoor learning, you know, all, all opportunities they get to go out there. So we're enhancing it in the sense of having some seating area for people to be able to go outside. And if it is damp, they're not getting soaking wet. So making the most of the fact that we've got it and, we want to use it to the so, best. so
0: you've intentionally created a variety of different types of space.
2: That's what I was trying to say in a very yeah. roundabout way. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah. 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 you know. But you, you can see, I you know, I can see it. I'm walking around the school and you've got, you know, little walkways that are covered with little play areas underneath, you've got areas under the trees, you've yeah. got, like you said, benches and seating areas, you've got your learning lodge.
2: Yeah. And we, you know, we've got a purposeful place where we put our, um, where children, it's like a, a ski lodge. In the it is, your welly check, store. Our wellie <laughs> store, so children go there, take their shoes off, leave them there, put their wellies on and then swap it over at, at the other end of the session. I was
0: chatting to Lisa when we came in, seeing them all running around on the yard with their wellies on in the rain. Isn't it amazing? Children don't melt in the rain.
2: It's
1: incredible.
0: Yeah, brilliant. Just great to see them out. They're loving it. They, they clearly yeah. are loving it.
1: It was great the other day when I was here, they were making bug hotels. And I know we make bug hotels in kind of year one, year five, year 10, we, at different levels. And that's a good thing because that's what a spiral curriculum is. They're learning different things at different levels. Um, but then I was in MS class and they were writing a TripAdvisor review as a bug of living in their bug hotel. And it was just brilliant. Can it I was, just
2: say we timed that, that it opened up our resort at the same time as, as lockdown lifted. That's why we did it then, because resorts were then allowed to be opened, so we opened our bug, Resort. Fantastic.
0: <laughs> okay, look, um, I think we're probably getting... I know. I, I, clearly, we could sit here all day and continue to talk, and your absolute passion for this, Emma, comes through loud and clear. Your passion for your school, your passion for the outdoor learning, but also just your passion for teaching full stop. So, you know, really great to talk to you. I'm sure we'll be back. I'm sure you've got lots more to talk to us about. Um, but massive thanks for your time today and for everything you're doing uh, um, within our schools.
1: And I think it's fair to say people can come and see. If they want to know a bit more, come to Pollock. Come and visit. Come come and and see see us. Emma
0: loves visitors, and she does good coffee as well, guys. So (laughs) there you go. And Lisa, thanks for holding my hand through this. No
1: worries. Cheers, guys. Thank you. Cheers.
0: If you'd like to contact us about the podcast, maybe something you've heard, something you'd like to find out more about, or maybe you'd like to contribute and join us on one of the shows, please don't hesitate to drop me an email. Uh, That'll be at nathan.jenkins at theplt.org.uk.